Welcome Builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Welcome, Builders. I'm excited to have you listening to this episode of the Build Your Success Podcast. On this episode of Build Your Success, we'll be discussing professional closeness. It is great to have our guest, Hobert Van Sandvik, and I'll, he'll give you that pronunciation better later, but Hobert lives in the Netherlands, and he works internationally as a consultant, change maker, and facilitator as a managing partner of Time to Grow Global. He has traveled to over 50 countries sharing his messages and conducting workshops. Hobert began his career as a junior psychologist. Although he was very interested in being a psychologist, something was consistently bothering him. He found he was struggling with cutting off his thoughts and feelings about whoever he was talking to. This led him to a life-changing belief that we should not ignore our insights, our emotions, and our intuitions when we work professionally. In fact, these are valuable sources of knowledge and should be considered and not ignored. And, and listeners, I'm here in Central Florida. We've got the oak trees blossoming and the orange trees blossoming. It smells really good, but it's kind of impacted my nasal, so I apologize for the voice today. But I want to welcome Hobart to the call today. Welcome, Hobart. Wow, what a, what a great introduction. And by the way, your, your name came pretty close. It's Hobart from Frontenac, but I think you did, uh, you did a great job there. That's great. Let's, uh, let's just jump right into this interesting subject. T- tell the listeners what professional closeness is. Uh, yeah, that, that's uh, already the million dollar question, I think. Um, so, so professional closeness to me is uh, basically it's a, it's a concept, it's a mindset, and it's, it's an idea that is uh, still evolving uh, while we speak. I've, I've written this book about it, but, but I think that the topic is still uh, to be much more and much deeper uh, uh, to be explored. But basically, um, uh, w- w- you said it in your in your intro. It is it is about leveraging your emotional skills, leveraging your your closeness as a human being, much more and much more deliberate uh, while you are you are at work and while you are leading. Yeah, and from my perspective, I've grown up in the construction industry, and you know. Tough guys, tough construction guys, we don't want to be emotional. Sometimes we'll tell, don't be so emotional. And yet that's impossible to do. We all have emotions. We need to recognize them. And as you suggest, we need to start using them. I, I love this idea, Gilbert. Yeah, and actually I, I relate to this, uh, this example. Uh, you know, the construction, uh, the construction industry. I, I have this client, they are, there in the, in, the, in the shipbuilding industry, so so it's basically welders, it's painters, it's carpenters, so it's it's all these you know typical manly kind of professions. But one of the things I really love about working with this client is that the the, the guys and it, it is still mainly guys over there, uh, they are basically so in touch with their emotions, but they don't know it. But they know they know how to sense, they know how to feel, and they they have this amazing source uh, which they are not using right now that much, but it's there, 
uh, but it's even much closer than, for instance, when I was with people from the banking sector or, uh, or, or let's say, uh, uh, the mobile industry. Yeah, you, you know, that you say that, that, that reminds me, you know, in, in our construction industry, and I know in the welding industry as well, there's a lot of banter, there's a lot of back and forth considering of each other, and we don't have as many policies and procedures, uh, maybe we need some more of them, but it, it does help that we're really open with each other. I, I like that thought that maybe we're in touch with our emotions and don't know it. Expound on that for us, Herbert. Yeah, the, the thing is, I, I think, uh, you know, emotions or, or, or the ability to work with them, uh, has a lot to do as well with being taught, uh, uh, not to. Uh, uh, and this was one of the basic starting points for even, you know, considering the idea of professional, uh, coaches. I had been taught as a psychologist, uh, uh in university, uh, that I should take a stance of professional distance, which meant as much uh, as, you know, you cannot permit yourself to be emotionally involved with whomever you're working with. Um, uh, but it meant also that basically what you're trained, you're trained to, to kind of shut down uh, your emotions, your feelings, your, your kind of sensing what is going on, uh, and to look at the reality from a a, at least, uh, well, that is the intention from an objective standpoint. But, uh, I, I kind of, I became, became a bit fascinated there by the fact that, hey, if you're an individual and you're a human, you, you have emotions, and you can never be truly objective. So why not use the subjectivity and all those emotions to really dig in, uh, and to let them work for you? Uh, it's basically what we've all got. That is a great and novel idea. I appreciate that. And, and so, so why do you think so many leaders struggle with relating to their emotions in our modern organizations? What's what's this wall that we have? Yeah, uh, I have a couple of uh, let's say uh, theories or call them fantasies or you know <laughs> whatever it is. But I think for, for one of them is. Uh, a lot of the current leaders have been kind of trained in, uh, in the 80s and in the 90s when it came to the business schools. And back then, uh, uh, the focus was really 100% on, on rationally understanding the world. So if you can't measure it, uh, it's not there. And of course, when it comes to feeling, uh, everybody knows that they're there, but they're so hard to measure. So kind of the belief, I think the collective belief started to grow that, uh, uh, that emotions are not as important. And I think a lot of people, you know, who have kind of grown up during those ages or d- during those times, um, they have this in the back of their minds, right? So their core belief is emotions are there, but they're not, there's no place for them in the, in the workplace. And it's an unconscious kind of belief, but it's steering a lot of behavior. Um, yeah, that, that's that's basically what I what I have to say about this. Well, I think that's a good theory, and uh, you know, you talk about rationally understanding things. You know, I've learned if it isn't measured, it isn't managed. You've heard some of these quotes back in those trading. You're discussing those trainings from the eighties and nineties, and too often, life is a mess. I mean, it's not this perfectly cut piece of puzzle that you can snap together. 
I'd, I'd say it's got to be blended together. I'd, I'd say we have to really consider these emotions and consider people's experiences. Uh, you can't manage everyone the same way because of these factors, these emotional factors. I, I, that, that's great. Uh, sorry, so I, I actually I love what you're saying because what I'm not saying is, you know, uh, strip over rationality. What I am saying is try to look for a marriage between looking at things from a, let's say, let's say factual, rational perspective, but also allow yourself in the same uh, intensity to tap into your intuitions, into the emotional side. Because I think the way forward for any business is to have that, you know, that, that middle road where you're really combining rational thinking and intuitive thinking. Yeah, I, I gotta do that. Everything we face doesn't always have the same answer. Everything, so you can't just put policies and procedures and say, this is the way we're gonna respond to this every time it comes up. Because, no, I mean, we change We have the markets change, the employees change, the situation changes. So we gotta be careful that our policies and procedures don't limit us and you need to have some of this intuition. I love that. You go ahead with your other thought. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I can spend probably hours and hours talking about this, but, but let's, let's look at the reality, uh, uh, currently, you know, uh, coronavirus and the, the way the markets are responding and the way organizations are responding and the way countries are responding. Uh, if it would be 100% factual, then probably not so much would happen. I mean, uh, uh, you can have a lot of different perspectives, but the fact is, Corona is a, is a flu virus, which is currently not much more deadly than any other flu virus, or even less. Um, yes, there's already a ton of disruption in the world, which is caused by, let's say, the, the, the panic uh, that we are spreading. So we have this, you know, factual situation, and there's another factual situation, which is the fact the panic is spreading. Um, so it is really about emotion and about uh, uh, facts all the time. You cannot separate even uh, marketing. You know, in marketing, we are uh, uh, widely accepting that people will buy based on emotional responses. Uh, at the same time, in those same organizations, we sometimes lead from a purely technical perspective. Weird, right? Boy, that's a great analogy, and, and, and back to your this, this coronavirus and the world's reaction to it. I gotta agree with you that the panic is uh, a little overboard for for what we know today. So we you know, need to just process those things and make make decisions based on real statistics and not panic. And definitely, there needs to be caution. You know, everybody needs to be cautious, but uh, it, it could change our life for the next several months if we're not careful. Absolutely. Let's let's hope that the policy makers and the you know the people in charge they uh, they, they they listen to their their hearts uh, and their minds. Yeah. So in your application, you shared with me how our own hardwired instincts play a much bigger role in our leadership decisions. I'd love for you to share this thought with our listeners and and how these hardwired instincts do play a, a big role in our leadership decisions. Yeah, you know, one quote 
uh, that I read uh, a long time already. Actually, uh, it was the it was the title of uh, of an article. Uh, I think it was an HBR article, and it says, "You can take men out of the Stone Age, but you can't take the Stone Age out of men." Uh, and I think that sums it up. You know, we we have been developing as as humans. Uh, creating technology, but our brains, uh, and, and how the brains are formed, uh, that's much older. But, and, uh, scientifically, it turns out that the brain itself, uh, has not evolved that much, actually, over the last 80,000 years. So we have a, let's say, a hardwiring, which is meant for, uh, the savannah, the, let's say, a, 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 a really prehistoric landscape, uh, and we are now working and living together in mega cities, in highly modern organizations. So we tend to respond to everything that is happening and is perceived as being a threat with our same hardwiring that we used to to, to meet when we were just kind of walking uh, uh, in small groups across those plains. Um, nowadays, that doesn't help us anymore. It's often uh, leads to, to defensiveness uh, and to reactions that are much more primal uh, than, let's say, the current state of affairs uh, would call for. Yeah, I think I heard it described in the past as fight or flight. So, you know, when we, we face fear, sometimes we're ready to ballot out and, and, and push through the fear, and other times we're going to run from the fear. And back to this coronavirus analogy you used, that's what's happening. You know, a lot of people are running from it. We need to stand up, understand it, learn it, and, and treat it, and, and not create such a panic of doing. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't. I can't. Uh, I can't say it any any more than no. So. What ways can we encourage professional closeness throughout our organizations using something you call the collective intelligence theory? Yeah, I, actually, that was one of the things that, that popped up during my research, uh, looking at collective intelligence. And basically, collective intelligence is, you know, if you are, if you are a team or a group, um, the, the level in which you can adapt to all the circumstances around you, um, which is basically the same definition as emotional intelligence for an individual. Um, but, but the thing is, the interesting thing is, that it turns out that if you have, let's say, uh, eight people in the room, who are together a team and managing a business, and each of those individuals is, let's say, the most intelligent and the most competent at their specific, you know, task or area or discipline. Um, there's no guarantee that the collective output or the collective intelligence of that group of people will be there as well. It depends actually on three factors. Uh, there's something which is called social perceptiveness, and when people uh, uh, have a high level of social perceptiveness, they actually are sensitive to what is happening to all the other people that is around them. Uh, so the ability uh, to be social perceptive is one of the distinguishing factors actually to be collectively intelligent. The other one is equal participation. So if there is one or two people of those eight who are hardening the conversation, the outcome will never be uh, as good as it can be. 
And the third one, especially with uh, yesterday's uh, uh, International Day of Women, uh, is actually the percentage or the, the, the amount of women that is also in the team. Um, those three indicators, uh, when, when you have them, uh, you can be sure that your team will be more collectively intelligent. Wow, that's, that's the first time I've heard this, these three factors. And, and just my initial thing is that I'm, I'm going to gravitate towards this equal participation being my favorite because I just love to be inclusive and include a team and everyone have their part. Uh, everybody's got something to give to the team. So exactly. Yeah. And I think that it's something that is a responsibility of any leader to manage that. You know, once you start to see, hey, the dynamics are so that, 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 that it only creates space for a couple of people, then it's your responsibility to break it open and to make sure that everybody is participating. Otherwise, you're just wasting a lot of time and a lot of talent. Yeah, so what I'm hearing from you, so let's, let's use the analogy that we have six people on a team, and two of them are very vocal, but maybe even very talented, uh, and, and so they kind of take over, and the other ones just kind of agree because of the other's talent and because the other's very outward vocalness, but yet they don't really get to participate because they've kind of just turned it over to these other two. Is, is that what I'm understanding? I just want to make sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is, this is what I, what I also call the laws of influence, actually. Uh, so if there is some, if those two people that are super active, this forces the rest to become passive. But because of the rest is passive, it forces the more active people to become more active. So once you see this dynamic, and it's basically a law, because you see it happening every time, uh, again, uh, once you start to have this awareness, hey, uh, if I am the active guy, I need to show up, I need to take a step back, and I need to, to create space for the less active people, or the more thoughtful people, to take their place and to share what they have to say. Uh, and, and of course, as a leader, uh, if you're not aware of these kind of behavioral dynamics or, or laws of influence, so to speak, uh, then you cannot manage it. Um, and then you will never be able to create Let's say the most collectively intelligent team or to leverage the power of professional closeness. Hovert, I love this idea that, that letting these quiet people get in and participate, even encouraging. So as a leader, when we see these quiet people on our teams or on our projects, bring them in, you know, invite them in. That, that's good stuff. So one of the other things you had in your application, I definitely want to give you some time for today, and it's, it's come up several times now on the podcast. Hobart, give me your take on the proverbial work-life balance. Oh, man. Uh, I love this one. Uh, I, I think this is one of the, and, and there will be probably a lot of people who will uh, hate me for it, uh, but I think the whole work-life balance discussion is a myth. Uh, because there's no, no such thing as work or life. Uh, there's only one thing, which is life. And there's different parts of life. And some parts will cost you a lot of energy, and some parts uh, 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 will give you a lot of energy. And sometimes that might be work. Sometimes that might be, you know, what is going on with this IVP. So for me, there's only one balance, and that's the balance of energy 
you know, uh, if you're, you're drawing too much energy on either side, uh, whatever it is, work, life, how do you want to call it, you're taking away too much energy and you will have a, a, a burnout in the end of the journey. Um, so for me, I think uh, that's what you should be looking at. Now, in general, in life, holistically, is there enough that kind of charges my battery and, uh, and is that in balance with the things that cost energy? That's, that's the way I see it. I like that perspective. I, I heard another one of our podcast guests talk about the work-life harmony, and, uh, and I think it has to be harmonized, as you're alluding to. We, we don't stop living when we go to work. We, we're still alive. We're still living, human, breathing uh, beings yeah. with, with these emotions and with these insights. And these exactly. Yeah. And I love Absolutely. It. It that you, as a psychologist, came to this realization that, you know, as a lawyer, as a doctor, as a, most of these professionals, you got to keep it separate. And it's extremely hard to do if you're going to be a human being, a natural human being. So I, I, I appreciate that. And I, and I think that last point is super valid. I think, you know, if you, if you are spending a lot of energy on, on maintaining this objective stance, you are not using that energy, that same energy for something else, which is really something what's going on and what makes sense. So, uh, you know, you're wasting your, your precious, precious energy on something that is actually, uh, uh, does not does not have that much value in, in, in practical reality. Wow. Well, Hovert, you've definitely provided some great insight to our listeners today. It was great to have you on the podcast. How can our listeners get in contact with you? Um, well, of course, you can take a look at my uh, website, santagoglobal.com. Um, my LinkedIn profile, Hovert uh, from right? Uh, and there's uh, there's all the information you need. My number, you can direct message me, uh, and I'm always uh, happy to talk or to chat or to you know uh, discuss whatever needs to be discussed. We so appreciate that, and again, thank you for your time today, listeners. Listen, if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. Give us an honest rating and review. Pull out your phone right now. Go to whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. Give us a fair honest review and rating, and then share this with your friends and co-workers. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, or if you'd like to suggest a guest on the podcast, please visit www.buildcs.net. Click on our podcast page and complete the application to become a guest. Thank you for listening today. Remember to build yourself and then build others. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.